Life Audio. On this episode of Encouragement for You, Rodney Cox, founder of Ministry Insights, talks about dealing with differences. And Dr. George Hillman of Dallas Seminary discusses resolving church conflicts. Welcome to the Encouragement for You podcast, brought to you by Encouragement Communications in association with the Salem Web Network and is part of the Life Audio Faith Toolkit series. For more inspirational, faith-affirming podcasts, visit lifeaudio.com. In just a moment, your host, Don Hawkins, will introduce today's episode. First, a word from our sponsors. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-497-4410. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in... Anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-497-4410. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-497-4410. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Struggling with the differences between you and others at home, church, or work? According to Rodney Cox of Ministry Insights, there's a reason for all those differences, and he joins host Don Hawkins to explain. Glad to welcome Rodney Cox. He is the founder of Ministry Insights International. He founded it 20 years ago. They're dedicated to strengthening relationships in the workplace, in marriages, and in families. He is also an in-demand speaker. He's the author of the book, Leading from Your Strengths, Love and Money, and Different by Design. And Different by Design is something we're talking about. You have how many children, how many grandchildren, Rodney? Yeah, I have two daughters and four grandchildren, two amazing son-in-laws, and Mm -hmm. uh, Elizabeth and I have been married 38 years by the grace of God. Congratulations on all of that. And, uh, you know, the big question I raised here is the differences with other people. I'm assuming that you and Elizabeth are not different in any way, that you guys are (laughs) almost identical, right? Yeah, right. We couldn't be more opposite. (laughs) We are on two ends of the spectrum. And so kind of what started our life's work. Uh, Elizabeth and I were really struggling in our marriage and and really struggling over our differences. And we had a Sunday school teacher, young adults, married class Sunday school teacher. And uh, he and I played a little golf together. And he asked me one day, he said, hey, seems like you and Elizabeth are really struggling. Would you like a little help? And, (laughs) And I told him, well, well, sure. And so it was the first time we were ever exposed to temperament assessments and and absolutely was transformational when we uh, were exposed to that. We, it took us about 10 minutes to take this little assessment. And at the end of it, we got our results instantly. And, and he showed us a visual and I went, oh, my gosh, we are so opposite. 
no wonder, like, God must have made, like, this incredible mistake. And <laughs> he looked back across the table, and he said, isn't God good? And in the next yeah. hour, he opened Scripture and showed me how God had designed us differently and that uh, that was a good thing. It, it wasn't a bad thing. And that was a transformational day for me. And, Rodney, you have already suggested that ultimately this thing comes down to God's design, that he designed us to be different. We are different by design. And since that time, you've become one of the country's leaders in the strengths movement, and you've impacted over a million leaders, teams, and couples worldwide and transformed a number of relationships. That has to be gratifying to see the difference this can make when people have struggled with those differences. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I really never dreamed that, you know, God would do what he did through us and through the material that we produced. And yes, we primarily serve the pastor staff and husband, wife and parent child relationships and and have dedicated our life to really helping people see this thing of divine design. Uh, so what makes it possible for us to coexist and to get along or to get along in the office and, and in the church for that matter? Yeah, so kind of what we've discovered is that there are four inescapable areas of difference. Like every day you have to problem solve with other people. You have to process information. You have to manage change. Change that four-letter word, right? You have to manage change. Oh, yes. And you have to face risk together. We tend to attract opposites in all four of those areas, all four of those inescapable areas. So an example would be the first continuum that we kind of deal with or inescapable areas, problem solving. So I tend to be somewhat of a take charge guy, and Elizabeth tends to be more reflective. Hmm. So a problem or a challenge comes up, what do I do? Jump I in pick there. it up and start dealing with it, That's right? That's right. Yeah, jump in. And Elizabeth takes a step back to reflect. Well, what is it that I think about her when I'm dealing with the problem and she's taking a step away, Don? Oh, you're probably saying, why is she not dealing with this issue? She needs to get with the program here. Yeah, she's apathetic. She's weak. She doesn't care. Well, you know Ooh. what? None of those things are true. Right. But the enemy wants me to believe that. <laughs> and so when I started kind of wrapping my head around, wait a minute, her reflective strategy when it comes to problem solving is an asset <laughs> because you can't pro you can't solve every problem aggressively. In fact, if you put every problem in my proverbial aggressive problem solving box, I'm going to probably mess a few things up along the way. Mm. I'm going to tend to compound complex problems. That's her strength. Yeah. When we learn how to balance those two things. We have a whole lot more than either one of us have independently on our own. Tell us about this assessment tool and why people might benefit from it. Yeah, well, our tool takes about 8 to 10 minutes to complete, and it's going to generate a 21-page word picture on your God-given strengths. We don't focus on weaknesses at all. We only look at strength sets. We fundamentally believe that everything that God has given you, He's given you to give away to someone else, but He didn't give you everything, and therefore we need others. It's not good that we be alone, and we need, we need suitable helpers all along the way. Other people have different strengths than you do, and once you start discovering what it is that you have, 
and you start leaning into what others have and you combine the two of those, you have more. And so that's a lot about fundamentally what we do is we help people tangibly see it and then understand it and then biblically ap- apply it in their relationship, no matter what it is, yeah. whether it be pastor, staff, husband, wife, or parent, child. One of the things that you point out, Rodney, in the material that you've put together is the importance of love. And, and I like the fact that you cite First Peter 4, 8. Tell us about how that verse relates to what we're talking about. Yeah, so we see in First Peter 4, 8 that love covers a multitude of sin, right? And so yep. so love is important. And I've had, got a good friend, a man's name is Dr. Dale Tackett, and Dale uh, defines the word love, and I'm, it's not my definition, it's his definition. It, love is the zealous, selfless seeking of another's true good, the zealous selfless seeking of another's true good. Uh, I like that. Yeah, that's good. Mm -hmm. Just think about that definition for a moment. You know, yet while we were at sin uh, and at enmity with God, he sent his son, right? He zealously Mm -hmm. and selflessly seeks us and delivers us from our sin. He does what we can't do, and he's selfless and he's zealous towards us. And so we should be the same towards each other, right? Because love not only covers a multitude of sin, but we also see that the greatest of them all is love. Yeah, and the ultimate example of love, obviously, is the Lord Jesus Christ, who told his disciples in the upper room, greater love has no one than this, than he lay down his life for his friends. I, I so love that zealous, selfless seeking of another's true good. And yet we see that all of the law and the prophets hang on these two commands, right? Love yes. God and what? Love, love your neighbor. others. Love my neighbor. And yeah. so... Love is important to God, and um, how we exhibit love, how we receive love, how we give love, I think is very, very important to the world, seeing the gospel at work not only in us, but in our relationships. Now, Rodney, you have an axiom that you put together, and you've built your leading from your strengths assessment tool, and a lot of the rest of what you're doing in the content that you have uh, wrapped around this, and it has something to do with giving something away. Tell us about that. Yeah, well, we see in Romans, but Paul, he urges us in 12, 1, he says, I urge you, brother, in view of God's great mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing unto God, for this is your true spiritual act of worship. And so, once again, we believe that everything that God has given you, he's given you to give away. And as we give ourselves to each other, it's actually worship. It's a form of worship. And Paul not only urges us to do that, but we also see that throughout all of Scripture. We see it in 1 Corinthians 12, where each body, each member belongs to the other. If one, uh, you know, is in pain, all are in pain. If one flourishes, all flourish. We see this interconnectedness in the body of Christ in how we are called to give ourselves one to another. And you're suggesting uh, that in reality, God wants us to be uh, giving things away to each other. Let's talk about how that could practically engage in, for example, a workplace where you have people uh, who have all kinds of different personalities. 
Yeah, well, one of the things that we see, and I'm going to be careful here because I, I love the church. I think it's it's, it's a hope of glory, right? So, but right. one of the things that we we see is is that leadership in the church has taken on this persona, like if you're not a aggressive optimist, you have the ability to cast vision and move from one thing to another real quick and real, you know, pioneering, always forging new rivers. That you're not a leader. And it's simply not true. <laughs> uh, Every one of us can lead, but we must lead from our strengths and be willing to staff to our limitations. In other words, be willing to invite others in the things that we don't have. And it's in that spirit of interdependence. I have something to offer you. You have something to offer me. When those two things come together, we have more. This is what we see in in Ephesians four ten through 16, where we where we're called to equip the saints to do the works of service. And as each one does its work, we actually see the body become mature, not lacking anything. We, As we give ourselves to each other, we are actually, what do you want to call it, growing the temple, yes. increasing the temple, strengthening the temple, maturing the temple. And we live in a world that is incredibly self-centered. It's all about me. It's all about what I have. It's all about what I have and what you don't have. But that's 180 degrees away from the gospel and the Spirit of God, in my opinion. And Rodney, to a great degree, what you're talking about is something that we often refer to as servant leadership, the kind modeled by Jesus, where he was willing to give away what he had to his disciples, even in the upper room when he washed their feet. Absolutely. He gave away everything all the way down to his life. Yeah. Uh, he he held nothing back, and so it should be with us. In fact, we see in Luke 17 or 21, 17, right, that the world will know that he is truly the Christ by this love that we have one another, this oneness. I think oneness is really, really important to God, but we don't see a lot of oneness in marriage today. We don't see a lot of oneness in the church today. If we're honest with each other, we see a whole lot more individualistic spirit than, than interdependent spirit. Stand yourself. What, it is, what, do it, what is it that I have and what is it that I don't have, right? Then we should turn our eyes to others and say, what is it that you have and what don't you have? And how do our differences complement each other, not compete with each other? And so we use 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 18, kind of as our foundational principles when we're doing team building. And there are kind of four or five key things that come out of that passage. Paul wrote to the Corinthians in that verse 12, uh, in uh, chapter 12, and in verse 1, he says, I write these things to you that you may no longer be ignorant. Hmm. And I think that there's a lot of um, conflict and uh, and uh, discord that we see inside of teams because we just simply don't understand God's design for our differences. It's it's not that we're intentionally malice or that we intentionally negate each other. Um, it's just done because we're ignorant. We di- we don't understand. I'm not sure Paul had read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, <laughs> uh, but he certainly knew how to tell them to speak the truth in love. And, and, and uh, you know, sometimes we don't understand that God has a purpose in our differences, and we become frustrated. And uh, isn't the typical default position there, Rodney, to sort of say, um, well, I, I'm, I, I'd really like for you to change and become a more like me? 
Yeah, ab- absolutely. It's it's uh, you know it's kind of in our DNA, right? We we think yeah. our way is the best way. We we think our approach is the best approach, and and typically we we get humbled when we think that our way is the best way. A- absolutely, you know, this many parts but one body, and that word part meaning equal units. You know, we see time and time again that that um, over time, the more that uh, and the deeper that our relationship gets, if we're not careful, we think what we bring to the table is more important than someone else. And that's a real dangerous position. We don't see ourselves equal anymore. And I don't know about you, Don, but I don't want to be hanging out with people that think think more highly of themselves than they ought. Yes, uh, right. Right? And don't, yeah, don't think that I have really anything to bring to the table. That we see in verse 13 and 14, 15, it says that, well, if I'm not like you, does that mean I don't belong? If the foot says to the hand, I'm not like you. And so we, if we elevate ourselves, we think what we bring is more important than what we do is we start communicating to other people that what they bring is not as valuable. Therefore, they need to change who they are be more like me in order to belong. And we see this a a ton in the leadership circles, right, obviously, and in teams. And it will always lead to isolation. People belong because God has made them fearfully and wonderfully, and he's given them a gift. He said, when I ascended, I gave good gifts to men, and those gifts are there to equip the body so that it might be mature. Everybody has a contribution to make. So who are we to communicate to them they need to change who they are in order to belong? And if we just wrap our head around it a minute and we can be honest and humble ourselves, and for the leaders that are listening, for the couples that are listening, think about how many people every day you communicate to that they need to change who they are in order to belong. Think about I'm a parent. And I'm my teenage child. I'm telling they need to change who they are mm. in order to belong, yeah. right? Or, or my husband needs to change in order to belong in this relationship. And I'm giving ultimatums. Now, when I talk about change, I'm not talking about changing bad behavior. You know right. what I'm saying? I understand. I'm, yes, I, I'm talking about changing to be more like me. Do things like I do it, right? Or think about the leaders that are listening to us tonight. How many people last week, if you're honest with yourself, that when they told you the strategy they were going to deploy, you said, I'd rather you use my strategy. (laughs) I want you to think about that a minute, okay? And be honest with yourself about that. And I want you to see what that's communicating to other people. What you're communicating to them is my way is better than yours, and you need to change who you are to belong. And if you'll be honest with that, it could be transformational for you. We know that the mindset on the flesh, the mindset on self, and my way always leads to death. The mind that's set on the Spirit always leads to life and peace. We'll be back with more right after this. Conflict within churches can be extremely difficult and painful. Dr. George Hillman of Dallas Theological Seminary joins host Don Hawkins to give practical and biblical help to resolving church conflict in a godly manner. 
church conflict may be one we'd rather not talk about. We'd certainly rather not have, but it is a reality today. George is uh, Vice President for Education and Professor of Educational Ministries and Leadership at Dallas Seminary. He came to DTS with many years of pastoral experience in churches as well as parachurch organizations uh, in Texas and Georgia. He's a graduate of Texas A&M and also of Southwestern uh, Seminary. He has a passion for education, spiritual formation, leadership development. He's a big college football fan, and we won't get too far into that, George, but good to be able to get together and talk about these things. George, you've done seminars on this topic. How did you become interested in it? Well, you know, I've been on staff at churches. I've been a part of churches, and so it's something that is just part of everyday life. We think that there will never be a conflict, but it, it just is a reality. And I will say for us as a seminary, I see our students and they graduate, they get to that first church, they have that first conflict that yeah. takes place and it derails many of them. And so they never have the opportunity to kind of ride out that first conflict, figure out how to do it in a biblical way so that they can get to a longevity of ministry. Uh, George, how common are conflicts in Bible-believing churches today? Well, they just are. I mean, and you go all the way back even to the early church. You look at Acts 15. Oh, yes. And in Acts 15, a pivotal chapter of that book, and it's three conflicts. There's conflicts at the first of the chapter of how are we going to deal with uh, these heresy that's coming in, Hmm. conflict among the believers of how are they going to define the gospel, and then you even see at the end of personality conflicts with Paul and Barnabas. So it goes all the way back to the book of Acts. You know, one of the amazing things about uh, Paul and Barnabas, I hear people writing Barnabas off all the time. But if Barnabas hadn't taken John Mark under his wing, we might not have the gospel of Mark. Absolutely. And Paul eventually in 2 Timothy 4 said, mm-hmm. bring him. He's useful to me for ministry. He is. So yeah. we, we have a tendency uh, to take sides in this. And Paul t- seems to be, because Luke rode with Paul and wrote about Paul, uh, a lot of things about there. It's one of my favorite passages of Scripture to talk about. Sometimes yeah. you like to look at the other side of the news, as some people would call it. How does today's culture impact uh, church conflict today? Well, so one of the things is that, and I'm going to use the word difference in the sense of we are now a culture of difference. Now, we're not saying that's a good thing, bad thing, but there is differences that happen. Um, Studies have been shown that in churches that you have people that are now coming to your church that do not come from the denominational tradition that Hmm, maybe other people in the church or even that church is identified with. They say up to 60% of people. I grew up Southern Baptist, and, you know, in a Southern Baptist church, I could go to any Southern Baptist church in the country on a given Sunday, and I would know what the Sunday school lesson was. I knew all the organizations. I knew how things were structured. I now go to a church that maybe has my denominational affiliation, but I don't know the curriculum. I don't know the structures. You have people who uh, maybe you grew up in a small church and now you're at a larger church. There's larger churches, but people still expect. So, for example, I still want the senior pastor to come and visit me in the hospital. Well, I'm at a church of 
5,000 people, 10,000 people. The senior pastor can't do all of that. And so you have expectation mismatch that happens as well. And then the final thing I would just say is we just have more dysfunction in society. I mean, marriages are breaking up, you know, more people coming out of single homes. And it's just um, those things come into the church. Not to get heavily theological, but it seems like the sin factor is a big part of this. The whole sin thing. factor is a very big part of this. Yeah. Yes, we we have an old nature that wants to mm-hmm. do things our way, and and uh, uh, there's a Frank Sinatra syndrome. I did it my way, and you're not doing it my way, and I'm not happy about that. Well, and sinful people set up sinful structures. Yeah. What are some of the things that churches are fighting over? I guess we could use that term. Yeah, I think sometimes we think, oh, we're going to fight over doctrinal issues. You really don't see that being a thing that yeah. divides churches, but it's more the values of how are we going to live out our mission? How are we going to live out our doctrinal statements? So mm. uh, values, those are going to be something we fight over. Um, I think sometimes even how we think about structure of a church, what is the role of the senior pastor? What mm. is the yeah. role of the deacons or elders? And when you have lack of clarity there, that causes some of the issues. I would say as well, just um, lack of communication. When when there's lack of communication, people will m- always assume the worst, unfortunately. Yeah. We can never over-communicate with our people. Uh, do churches ever fight over such mundane things as the color of carpets? or that You know, that's always, that is always the joke, but I'll tell you, it still happens. Because, again, yeah. again, that's a values thing of yeah. what is going to be, how are we going to present ourselves in, t- uh, in our buildings? How are we going to present ourselves in the local community? So there'll be fights over placement of the church sign. You mentioned earlier, should we mm. keep... Uh, our denominational name in our publicity, those types of things. We want to talk now about some steps to resolve conflict in the church. Where do we start? Yeah, I think one of the things is understanding and defining the problem. I think a lot of times we will call each other names or we think that the person is the problem. No, the problem is is a thing that's in the middle Mm -hmm. and we need to be able to define it. And once we're able to define it, I think the thing is, is to understand there is a bond Mm -hmm. that that is between us as believers. Yeah. Um, I might not see Republican, Democrat, denomination, whatever the case may be, but there's a bond in Christ that we have to remember that even though we might see something differently, there is a bond that's greater. And yeah. the other thing I would just say is being able to ask the right questions. Mm, okay. um, if, when you're able to ask the right questions, it makes the difference. We're, we're not trying to just fix problems. We're able to define this is who we are as a church. This is what we have committed to be and to be able to put our resources, to put our efforts towards that. Seems to me that begs the question, what questions should we ask and maybe what questions should we avoid asking? Yeah. So some questions you should ask is in a church context of who are we as a church and what have we been called to be? So if I am a church that is ministering into this particular community and we know that these are the ministries that we're able to do, and there's another church across town, they have a different calling. They have different ministries that they can offer. I can't be all things to all people in our church. And so being able to clearly understand Hmm. this is who we are. The second thing I would say with the church is understanding this is who we are in this chapter in our lives, Hmm. in this season of our lives. And then I would say as well as churches have to make decisions 
because resources are limited, financial resources, personnel resources, and you have to make a choice of these are things we're able to accomplish and these are things we're not able to accomplish. I would say the questions you don't want to ask, the questions you don't want to ask is, well, who wants what and how do we satisfy them? Mm, that's a yeah. t- that's a very temporary, short-sighted yeah. short, uh, one. And a loaded one, too, it was. It's a loaded yeah. one, too. And what should we do about this complaint? Mm. You know, again, we need to be focused on, the, on our mission. We need to be focused on the gospel. We need to be focused on those ties that bind and to be able to set some of those other things aside to focus there. Uh, what's the role of uh, connection, should we say, between conflict and change? Well, any time you have have change, there's going to be conflict. This idea of the fear, the unknown, and again, being able to do something new. This this analogy of when you have to use a new map. Well, if you travel yeah. someplace and you know the routes, but then yeah. when you get to a new place and you have to use a new map, yeah. we're all using new maps right now. And yeah. again, there's uncertainty. And the other thing is, none of us have this figured out right now. Um, if you don't want to have conflict, then don't ever change anything. <laughs> but but, <laughs> yeah. but with ministry, and especially ministry in the year 2022, oh, as yes. we are engaging a broken and lost world, the church is going to have to, it, the, the message doesn't change, but the methods have to change to, to bring the gospel to a lost yeah. world. That's an important distinction. I, I Thankfully, because of Zoom, was spared several trips to India mm-hmm. for ministry that I could carry out without spending 20 hours on a plane going and 20 hours coming. Well, I'm teaching a class right now, and in my class, I have about 12 students live in the classroom. And then online, I have a pastor in Iowa a pastor in Northern Virginia. I have a a stay-at-home parent. And then I have a student who logs in from Nairobi, Kenya every single week. Wow. That would not have happened two years ago. No. Uh, Now, there is a passage of Scripture in Matthew 18 that seems to give us some guidelines about uh, how to handle uh, at least a conflict with an individual. Right. So if I have a conflict with an individual, I'm to go to that individual. I always tell people, you know, when they say, well, I have a problem, you know, if I have a problem with you, Don, yeah. and I'll say, well, what did Don say when you approached him? Well, I haven't talked to Don yet. Well, <laughs> let, me tell, <laughs> let me tell you what God's will is for your life. You yeah. need to go talk to the individual. Yes. And then if the person will not listen to you, then you bring somebody else to come talk. Yeah. But what you don't want to have happen is you talk about the person and not talk to the person. You talk about fights, games, and debates in the seminars that you do on church conflict, George. Help us understand what you're talking about. Absolutely. It is a key element to understand. So a debate. A debate is where you have two individuals who have a different view, and person one gets to share, then person two gets to share, and then we get to weigh ideas, and we get to wrestle with things. That's healthy. We need to have debates. I think sometimes we think, oh, we don't want to have debates anymore in a church. There is nothing wrong with a debate. Mm -hmm. With a game, I always use this illustration when I do this in class. My father-in-law at Thanksgiving, whatever the topic was, he was always going to argue the other point just because it was fun for him. My father-in-law was the same. Exact same from the way. same cloth, yeah. Not a ill will bone in his body, no. but it was just a fun just, thing yeah, for him. That was his thing, yeah. But then there's fights. Now, with a fight, that's different than the debate, and it's different than the game, because yeah. in a fight, my job, my, my, uh, my objective is to eliminate you. Yeah. And fights are not healthy. Yeah. Debates, they're good. 
games, we have to understand where the person is. But a fight, when you are trying now to eliminate the other person, you stop listening, you're shouting past the person, then nothing gets accomplished. And we're not just talking about verbal fights. They could be physical fights, but more than likely, they're verbal fights. Yeah. I mean, I, I most of the time, yeah. this is going to be uh, uh, verbal fights. I'll tell you the other thing, though, too, now is social media, Yeah, where you have all of our airing Ooh. out of our dirty laundry oh, happening my, on yes. social media. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I remember Warren Risby years ago when I was at Back of the Bible telling me the story about a, a highly respected pastor who literally hauled off and socked a deacon in the jaw. Oh, my goodness. In the middle gracious. of a business meeting. Yeah. Uh, not a good situation. Now, whenever there's a church conflict or a split, we'd always like to be able to keep everybody, to retain everybody. Is that something we should try to accomplish? You know, in reality, no single church is going to be the perfect church for everyone. We have different churches and we have different expressions of the mission that are, are relevant to the context that they're in. And so, I think it's churches you've got to be clear of this is who we are and this is who we are not. Mm, yeah. And you might be happier at another church. I have yeah. had those conversations with people where I will even call the pastor of the other church to make those connections. I, it's not that I'm kicking you out. It's just we're not able to satisfy or meet yeah. your needs. Let's get you someplace where we can get your needs met. Thank you for listening to this episode of Encouragement for You with Don Hawkins, host of Encouragement Live Radio and author of over 25 books, including Never Give Up and Master Discipleship Today. You can find more about Don and his books at encouragementlive.org. Encouragement for You is a production of Encouragement Communications with the Salem Web Network and lifeaudio.com. Editing by Phil Gebers, production by Elizabeth Andrade. If you enjoyed what you heard today, we'd love for you to head over to your favorite podcast app and leave us a review. It really does help people find us. Let me take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on Encouragement for You. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. Stay encouraged and join us next time for Encouragement for You. Have you ever attempted to read the entire Bible? Did you do it or did you only make it part way? I'm John Stonge and I host a podcast that will make it possible for you to make it through the entire Bible one chapter at a time. I've been hosting the Chapter a Day Audio Bible Podcast since 2015 and every single day of the week I read one chapter of Scripture then follow that up with a time of prayer. And if you're looking for daily insights and inspiration directly from God's Word, I hope you'll give the Chapter a Day Audio Bible a listen. You can find it at lifeaudio.com or on your favorite podcasting app.